This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Raptors, they win game five, 103 to 88. The third, well, I guess technically the fifth game in a row that the defense has improved, but it's improved to a level that, man, that's uh, watching Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, and Precious Achua in particular, Boucher also and Thad, just phenomenal off the bench. But, oh my God, the court coverage from those three, Pascal, Precious, and OG, and and the point of attack defense, not just on Embiid, of course, to to push him out to the free throw line, to slide their feet with his drives, to resist, to make sure that he picks up the ball and then somebody rotates over to contest him when he's, you know, when the ball is dead and he's moving either towards a difficult contested shot or trying to pass around these contesting limbs. But their ability to like recover out and play in space, defend these long passes, and then when the switches come stand-up guys in isolation, hedge and recover on these pick-and-rolls. It's This is a defensive masterclass, this game. You just have to watch every shot that Tyrese Maxey didn't take. And the thing was about game one when he had 38 was that Tyrese Maxey kept being able to take shots. And he had to work really... Not only did he have to work hard, to get his shots, but he had to work hard to get hard shots. Kind of what we see from Pascal, just because the 76ers have made his life really tough. But a guy like Maxi, who the Raptors eventually had to switch how they guarded in this game. This game is best exemplified through how they guarded him and Embiid. Embiid, as per usual, they're mixing when they send doubles. Sometimes it's on the catch. Sometimes it's on the dribble. Sometimes it's when he's, you know, getting a little bit deeper. They're mixing it up and they're actually playing really great defense, and they're forcing him into a lot of mistakes. Four turnovers again in this game. James Harden with five. And the Raptors rotating and zoning up, and then it's they're symbiotic, right? We, we've, we've talked about how this defense is at its best when it's five guys on a string, and they really, really achieved that in this game. And everybody, as I say, symbiotic. It's like they all exist with the same brain in this game. And they were getting to this level in games three and four, but this was just, this was a masterclass because when when they have to double, they just move everybody up a slot and the guy at the back zones up the player farthest away. And that guy is typically like OG 
or Pascal or Scotty and their length and ability to stunt and recover out to whoever they, you know, they leave open because of that zone. And then everybody rotates back into their spots. And the guy who was doubling Embiid is now rotating to the farthest back spot. And they're just, it's like a dial. Tick, tick, always finding the right spot, even though everything is is in motion. It's not rote, it's dynamic, but it's it's like perfection. My God, this this defensive game, man, to allow 88 points when you have to double at the point. When you have to double a guy like Embiid this much, when there's threats like Tyrese Maxey on the floor and James Harden, to get 4 of 11 from Harden, to get 7 of 15 from Embiid, 5 of 14 from Maxey, 6 of 16 from Tobias Harris, and technically 0 of, well, technically 1 of 6 from Thibault, but it was really 0 of 6 because his only basket came after Precious and Scotty competed for a rebound and tipped it into their own. The 76ers score 88 points. And the Raptors, a defensive masterclass. It's this game blew me away, man. The the rotations. It's it's hard. It's hard to it was almost perfect. Every once in a while they had a letdown. You're gonna give up some shots. They give up some corner threes, sure. And they you know, there are a couple closeouts that didn't hit the mark, sure. But this is an NBA basketball game. That happens. An offensive rebound here and there. Sure. A tip-in for Danny Green. Sucks. But this is a basketball game in the NBA. To allow this team with that, you know, that glut of talent on the other end, 88 points when they want to win this thing and they want to win it bad. Just unbelievable performance. The the Raptors leaned fully into that, the six between 6'7 six, and 6'9 thing. I'm almost certain that Scotty Barnes is 6'10 by now, but you know, the 6'7 to 6'9 thing for the lack of a better word. Everyone likes sized rotating. It's just what a what a pleasure to watch these guys defend on this night. The 76ers, Embiid, Embiid was so gassed from trying to outfox this defense that one of the best defensive players in the league became someone that the Raptors attacked. The 76ers, if you're watching, they went to zone in the fourth quarter. They gave up 1.3 and 1.8 points per possession against the Raptors when they were in zone in games three and four. Those are horrible numbers, by the way. Their zone doesn't work. They had to go to zone because Embiid was racking up fouls and the 76ers had started to pick on him. We saw five straight possessions in the third quarter where the Raptors scored or got fouled, and all they did was target Joel Embiid. He's so gassed. He's so just, he's very, very perplexed. He's very frustrated, and he's very tired of dealing with the Raptors. That defense, we're five games into the series now. He's gassed, and he can't keep it up on the defensive end right now. That is that is what, also, just to switch this into like the Pascal thing, because Pascal drove the car of this game. and. You, you could make the case that either Pascal or Precious was the best defender on the floor in this game because that's how good Precious is. But there's no question that Pascal dictated what the Raptors did offensively. Precious, for what it's worth, just putting putting Embiid on rollerblades a couple times. Some really clever cuts to see when the Raptors were facing that zone. And it looked like Pascal had the matchup he wanted. But Thad cut across the side. He had Maxi. He posted him up. Embiid came over to help, and Precious made a 45 cut. That's 
a very rare play for the Raptors. But that's something that they can do when the game slows down. And it's maybe something they wouldn't have been able to achieve in the regular season. Precious probably wouldn't have made that cut, but he's he's just progressing at such a fast rate. Incredible. But all this to say, Precious was a tremendous play finisher in this game. It's he, he one of five from three. Who cares? Put the ball on the floor, punish Joel Embiid. Some really clever, you know, flashes to the bucket, shading guys properly, supporting their drives as a cutter, as a guy moving along with them, lifting accordingly, just really great motion, but also scoring the ball. But this was Pascal's game offensively. 23, 10, and 7, nearly 60% from the floor, only got to the line twice, even though, yeah, they're still hand-checking. He was a plus 24. He took everything they're still shading the hell out of them they still want to double they still stunt to double they still want to just throw everything at him and he's taking it in stride reading that defense and just moving into dangerous positions for himself into tough positions where he's hitting shots to help keep the offense afloat and like he's just so damn good when you consider that defensive workload where every time you look at the screen you see that oh maxi's catching you know, and he has advantage, and who's sliding over from the other side of the court to deter that drive? Oh, it's Pascal Siakam. I, the play progresses six seconds. It swings to the other side. They get it to the baseline, and now Tobias Harris is driving. Who's sliding over to make that rotation to deter the drive? Oh, it's Pascal Siakam. Like, that is so nuts to take the the unbelievably heavy isolation and creation load that he had on offense, and the fact that He's rotating and then stepping out on defense on guys like Maxie and Harden, and they want nothing to do with him. They they think if they go to the rim, they're getting blocked. They think if they settle for a jump shot, it's a bad shot. They try and get downhill. They try and keep the ball moving, but they want nothing to do with him. He's stepping out on those guys and also playing point of attack defense sometimes on Embiid and just quarterbacking their transition defense, which is at such a high level right now that it's, well, I've been talking about their defense for like 10 minutes already, but yeah, Pascal being able to do all that defensively and then come keep pressing to get downhill, flip the screen, flip the screen until it's a snug pick and roll, get the edge, you know, maybe get to a jump shot just to deflate that that 76ers crowd, that 76ers defense, just, you know, the Maginot line, right? Germany, France, you, you go around it, you... It, it doesn't work. You don't have to take the route that the defense thinks you're going to take. And also credit to Lewis Satsman, the, the history major, for that reference. I'm not just pulling from my own <laughs> bag of tricks with that one. Right? But Pascal, he's not unstoppable, but he's unflappable in this game. That there were times that the 76ers stopped him, that they took away that option that he wanted. But he just kept looking. He kept probing. His dribble couldn't really be disturbed, and he worked into so many advantageous spots for he and his teammates that he allowed the Raptors to drive this offense to a win. And once again, like credit guys like Precious, credit guys like, you know, Thad, that that passing verve, the playmaking verve that he's able to bring. And then even just OG, 16, Scotty had 12 in the first half, finished with 12 but did exactly what he needed to do, which was take a guy like Tyrese Maxey, post him up, and just make sure that I'm going to get this bucket so that the 76ers know, hey, if I load up on Pascal on the strong side, if the ball funnels weak side, 
I have to give up a mismatch that I may pay for. This is something that they didn't have in game three. When they lost, when the 76ers loaded up, it just, it, it wasn't happening. There was nobody punishing that weak side. OG was making stuff happen at the point of attack. Pascal had a few assists that he created, a few plays, but no scoring. Now, Scotty, even though it didn't last the whole game, just that little bit of punch, so, so meaningful. And then, oh boy, the playmaking in transition, dude. Or even just the, the lob he threw to Thad. You know, that's, that's a guy manipulating in the pick and roll in his rookie season and then throwing a no-look lob and a quick one, too, to a guy pinching in from the dunker spot. That's pretty impressive. And then, of course, the no-look lob to Precious in transition. He loves the no-look. The stare down on Tyrese Maxey after he got the steal and made sure that, you know, got a good look at him. Maybe want to give him another hug for the Rising Stars situation and finished after, you know, Thibault turned the ball over. Okay, let's talk about Thibault quick. This is what my breakdown will be on. It'll be out not tomorrow, but the day after. Oh, boy. Matisse, I, so when I did the first podcast I did about this series, it was on chucking darts, and I was asked what my prediction was. I said Raptors in seven. And he asked me, wow, winning on Philadelphia's home court. And I said, yes, because Matisse Theibel is eligible to play there, and they're worse with him. I meant that. Theibel was a wholly destructive force. He ended up as a minus one, but the ramifications of playing him, he tanked like nine offensive possessions in a row. Nine. And even still with the with the gift of you know having the ball tipped in, it's just it's not tenable. Sure, he he played a nice role at the front at the top of the 76ers zone. The Raptors had a really tough time in that second quarter trying to get the ball to like to enter the ball, but the Raptors can get used to that. The 76ers zone isn't very good. Sure, Thibault did what he does, which is catch guys off balance a little bit. But it's still, yeah, it's untenable as, as far as I'm concerned. His, his offensive stuff, the 76ers are better off in game six with him off the floor. OG, that huge hammer, that dunk, you know, really, really supportive, nice cuts. He was two of nine from three. Obviously, you want that to be much better. But that also means that he was, you know, five of five, I believe, from the rest of the floor. When he was inside the arc, he made it count. Really smart cutting. Knew how to punish the 76ers players who wanted to run him off the line, who were lackadaisical, you know, against cuts, against the zone and everything. Like, I tweeted out saying, this 76ers zone isn't as good as people might think. This might not be helpful for the rap, helpful for the 76ers. And Blake, Blake Murphy responded and said, they're sh- like, they're good at standing in their zones. Outside of that, you know, it's kind of a joke. They're bad at zone. And certainly they are. And OG and, you know, Precious and Chris and Thad kind of cutting against it, Pascal probing at the top. It's real. And they started using a lot more screens against the top guy in the zone to get Pascal downhill because they knew they just needed a foot in the paint. They needed Pascal to get there, and they needed to keep pressing Embiid. It's just really great decision-making, and it does not happen. With, like, nobody can do for the Raptors what Pascal does. And quite frankly, it's not close. And that's why Pascal, being as discerning, as careful, and as clinical as he was in this game, he's so responsible for the Raptors' offensive success. But guys like OG, Scotty, Gary, 
Precious especially, right? Chris, Thad, punching in, really helping things out. I mean, Gary, really bad decision-making game, honestly. I thought he made a lot of really poor decisions. But you you hit two threes when the Raptors, sometimes you need that punk, that exclamation point, right? Like Pascal gets down in the lane, Embiid lifts up to contest, Pascal drops it off to, I believe, either Thad or Scotty, and they funnel the ball out to Gary. Gary makes a three in the fourth quarter. Gary putting the ball on the floor a couple times, you know, getting to that that eight-foot floater and hitting one, hitting a couple fallaways. Nice stuff. Five of 14, nothing to write home about, of course. He has to be better in the in the remaining two games in this series. I'm going to assume the Raptors are going to take game six, and we'll see. But it still provided stuff when they needed it, and the three assists made a couple heady plays. And uh, steals, of course, because when does Gary Trent Jr. not get steals? And Kim, I thought Kim was good. I was, it's a really smart decision to start him. Honestly, it's, I honestly, that's, he was really bad to start the second half. I will say, like, I really hated his minutes in the second half, but his minutes to start the game were good. Hitting a three, everybody, my friends messaged me, you know, I talked to my friends, I I watched the game with my best friend, Oleg, and we were sitting on the couch and I said, Kim Birch hit a three. <laughs> you cannot waste this game. You have to win this one because it's a, it's a momentous occasion, right? And so, or monumental occasion, a momentous happening, whatever it is. So seven points, got those four fouls, used them on Embiid, physical, active, despite not having a very good second half. I Starting Kim looked like the right decision. So Nick Nurse, uh, vindicated on that on that end but yeah the raptors from start to finish they had this game they're playing the defensive game they want to play and they're just leaning as hard as possible on pascal to create stuff to hit enough shots and then relying on guys like og to punch gaps every once in a while scotty to you know punish smaller players on these mismatches and to play make and be creative Gary hit some shots. The bigs, like Precious taking and beat off the dribble as many times as he did. That's awesome to see. Like that, that is just fantastic to see. Precious didn't miss a shot inside the arc. Cuts, clever. Drives, inspirational, okay? And then, and then Chris Boucher, it's such a vet, dude. I've been saying this for the longest time. He's been good for so long, okay? He the first like 12 games of the season for him weren't very good. But that's it. He was pretty good afterwards and then he became absolutely essential to what the Raptors wanted to do. And man, when Precious and Scotty tipped the ball into their own basket, Scotty brought the ball up the floor and turned it over against that zone trying to get a post entry. Chris beat Shake Milton back to the basket, and took a charge. I cannot tell you how much the Raptors needed that stop there. And it was just such a heady veteran play by Chris Boucher. I, I loved that play from him. Reggie Evans Award. Uh, I'm giving it to Pascal. <laughs> just an insane amount of work, dude. Defensive rebounds, defensive rotations, trying to make everything happen on offense, and did so brilliantly. Top crew reaction comment is from Clips. Quote, Props to Precious to keep taking the ball right to Embiid over and over, not being scared of him. Another great game by Precious, end quote. That's right. 
And if there was a person who made a breakdown video saying why, you know, why Precious Achua's offensive ascendance is so important for this series, and you can find that on Raptors Republic YouTube's page, uh, I would go watch that after listening to this podcast, of course. And uh, yeah, it'll be worth your time. You'll enjoy it. And it spells out basically exactly why uh, he had success in this past game. Uh, And of course, his defense is just being able to play defense at the level that Precious does. I've been saying for some time, he's going to make all defense. Who knows how many times, but he's just brilliant, brilliant play from Precious tonight. And, and, And Pascal to keep hunting Embiid, right? In that third quarter, really impressive stuff. The whole team to recognize that, man, he was food for a bit. He was food for a bit. Crazy to say, but there it was. All right. Thanks for writing in, Clips. Listener, thank you for listening in. Whether you got into it in the morning or at night, you'll be back here, hopefully, uh, after Game 6, and then after Game 7, and then after Game 1 of the next series. And uh, stay tuned tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon. No off days with Lewis Atzman. It should be a really fun podcast for us to talk about this game together. And I'll have a mid-series podcast with Jackson Frank, a Philadelphia 76ers writer, uh, the following day, and then a breakdown the following day as well. And tomorrow I also have a a feature on this game. So lots of stuff coming forward. And uh, yeah, I just hope you enjoy the stuff. Hope you enjoy the basketball. Super fun series right now. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Where they got into this in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.